Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. Be the miners. Sure, they're like three years old. Miners, not miners. If you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. <laughs> I don't, don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Every time someone says, I do not believe in fairies, somewhere there's a fairy that falls down Great dead. women who aren't afraid to fight, to stand up for our dignity. Transference is inevitable, sir. Every human being has an impact. There are no colored bathrooms in this building. And a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. History of evolution has taught us it's that life will not be contained. Life finds a way. Words are, in my not so humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. Hello and welcome. This is Bite the Pen. I am Jen Hansen, and sitting across from me is. Do you actually want to hear yeah, what my, let's hear my it. proper name yeah. is? And this is all in Spanish. Don't steal her identity. <laughs> That's true, because you could use this against me. <laughs> in Spanish, it would be Carlota Andrea Angelica Martinez de Romero. That's so pretty in Spanish. Thank you. Yeah, it's better than like Charlotte Martinez. Oh <laughs> blah, blah, blah. What, what was your saint name? Angelica. That's your saint name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So once cool. you're confirmed, at least in Catholic practices, you add it to your name. Gotcha. That's why I picked uh, Saint Janeway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so it'd be like Jen Janeway. I can't, I won't tell them. Thank you. I was like, name. go for it. See what happens. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. So we are talking about a book and movie that both of us really liked. And loved. And and loved. <laughs> I'd never seen it because you told me about this movie in college and I'd never seen it. And you showed it to me and I was like, God damn, this is why people were talking about this. Like sometimes just things go right over my head. So thank you. Well, and that's the first time I had watched it was in college mm. in, in Corinne's class. Nice. We shared a teacher, Corinne. We Franklin. shared her. We shared her. <laughs> Meaning we both had her. For, and she taught different things. But this one was the Hero's Journey class mm-hmm. my freshman year. And this was the movie we used for that class. And that's how I knew I, w- I went to the right school. Yeah. I was like, yep. You talk about that class a lot. I know. It's awesome. I know. It's great. <laughs> so would you like to introduce us to Whale Rider? Yes, yes. And I, I wanted to do this episode specifically on this story because I didn't see this often enough growing up and then in college where it was a hero's journey, but it was specifically f- for a culture that was historically real i mean that it existed but then there was this touch of surrealism slash magical well i guess magical realism is what it's called (laughs) Uh, supernatural spiritual whatever you want to call it that's i realized that that was my genre at the Mm. time i was watching the movie so it kind of just verified that that was what i wanted to see more often nice and this was the best way to do it through this story and it is very much a hero's journey so that's why we used it for class with some very interesting tweaks to it because it could also be called, this is what I researched later, it could also be called a savior archetype. Because, because why? That's a great question. Thank you. Because I had to research this. <laughs> when, it's, when, it's a savior, when it's a savior archetype, it has to do with being born into royalty. Mm-hmm. You have superpowers. And you have some extreme form of death and rebirth. Ooh. So jesus oh that happened to jesus and yeah right <laughs> you want to tell that story let's start from the beginning i believe you pronounce it jesus <laughs> but it's an interesting archetype because it does very much feel surreal in that like yeah you're born into royalty so you obviously have to lead and in the case of jesus and superman yeah they they very much were accepted with that role. They had superpowers, so you accept it. But in this story, not so much. Main character knows that she's the savior in a way. I mean, in the book, it makes it more obvious that she's like the savior archetype. In the movie, less so. Yeah. But it's it's her not convincing an enemy. It's her convincing her own family. And I was like, yes. One one family member in particular, right? Right, right. Because I feel like, you know, if you've seen the movie, especially in the movie, it's pretty obvious that everyone and in the book of course but everyone supports her except for one and i think that's 10 times harder than convincing an enemy i mean convincing the person you're supposed to love the most or the person that loves you the most 
I'm like, wow, that's saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's why I liked it a lot. That's cool. I like that. What about you? Was there something that you thought was unique when you watched the movie or? It was really beautiful watching it. It felt like a spiritual sort of film. But reading the book really changed my perspective on it. Ah. They have some major differences. And and not even, I mean, we should probably talk about this more later, but I feel like it's not even what they do, but what you don't know is actually happening in the movie versus what's happening in the book. Like her swimming um, deep in the ocean was a completely different experience watching it than it was reading it yeah so we'll talk a little bit about how interpretation changes from book to movie what aspects were unique about it and who's telling each story yeah i think that's important author versus director maybe yeah and it's effective they do it well it's just a different story right yeah i agree we both read the book recently because i had never read it we had just seen the movie yeah so it was it was a nice experience for both of us i think indeed very quick read. But I love that kind of very folktale mythological, mm-hmm. but also in real time, you know. Exactly. I, w- I was just going to mention that it was deceiving because I did think it was a kid's book. And it's not. <laughs> it is not a kid's book. I mean, it's not. I would say 13 and up could read it with no problem. Uh-huh. But I was just kind of surprised. I was like, oh, that's not what I expected from a kid's book. But it's not a kid's book. It's just it's a folktale. Yes. Right? Yes. Specifically from New Zealand. The author is from New Zealand. This is actually in the high school literature reading list in New Zealand, in most schools in New Zealand, I found out. Nice. Um, But before we get to that, uh, let me just summarize what the story is, both in the book and the movie. So the general story is about a girl named Paikia from the New Zealand tribe called Maori, an indigenous culture fighting to keep their traditions within European colonialism in New Zealand. And the tribe is run by a confederation of male tribesmen. It's always been male. And specifically from her family, the Apirana family, it's their descendants that are supposedly from the original whale rider, who was the first to come to that island from the land of the ancients. So it's traditional in their family that every male inherit title of chief or whatever you call it when it's a confederation. They inherit the abilities and the responsibilities So when the grandfather who's currently in charge, when his lineage is ending with just girls and one of them being Paikia, he's almost just given up. He needs to go into other areas and be like, okay, what other boys are there that can take over because my lineage is ending? And he basically says at some point, right, I I can do nothing with a girl. This is useless to me. But the twist here is that Paikia, she's gone through everything a savior would have gone through. So she already knows that that's what her role is. Mm. But just the fact that traditionally these guys would never accept a female chief is problematic. (laughs) Which is it's just so interesting because in the film especially we see all these people angry at their leader, her grandfather. Right. Because he won't give her the time of day. And I don't think it's just because she's a little girl who loves him. I think it's also because there is that that sense that this is obviously the person that's going to lead us one day. Right. You know what I mean? There's all these signs. Yeah. And everybody else is like, okay, idiot. Yeah. Everybody (laughs) sees it. Yeah. (laughs) Men, boys, all of them see it. Yeah. And it's not quite clear. Well, it is clear. In In a broad sense, it's very clear when tradition is threatened mm-hmm. especially when a male is the leader they very much just try to avoid change at all costs even when a change is within their family with, i mean within somebody they love that's still not enough isn't that bizarre <laughs> i think that's kind of bizarre it is but it it, it isn't i'm not surprised right. you know what i mean which right. is even worse <laughs> agreed so that's the general for both the book and the movie. Totally. But we'll go into the change, the differences and the changes they make. The book was written 1987. Mm. And the author is actually part of the Maori people. I think he's still in New Zealand, too, living in New Zealand. I don't even know if I can pronounce his name, though. Witty Amehari. Is that Ameheida. Ameheida. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Some> Spanish. <laughs> I thought it was Ihimara. Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe that was just what I said in my brain. No, no, no. I think your brain is more accurate. <laughs> His first name is pronounced Witty, though. Because I saw an interview yeah. with him and they said Witty. So uh, we'll just call him Witty. W-I-T-I. Right. Witty. Witty. 
uh, what else about him? He wrote it in English? I don't know. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's a good... Yes. Yes, he did. Cool. Yeah, because he took English literature in college, even though he, he did other things, like amazing things as well. But I do remember reading that about him. So he wrote it in English. There is a version of it in a different language, though, mm. and I think in his people's language. He writes so lyrically beautiful, I think. And we'll talk about that more because it, it does feel very folklore-y, and I think that's an, it's a cool talent to have. Yeah. So the movie was done in 2002, an adaptation, and it was directed by Nikki Caro, the one and only, <laughs> who did... Or is doing, is doing, or no, she finished Mulan, nice. the live action. Very nice. So we're Ooh. all uh, awaiting that at this moment. <laughs> Go support it, even though it's not out yet. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, even though what? <laughs> <laughs> and she's originally from New Zealand, too. Oh, cool. And a lot of the extras were from, from the same island. Nice. And Using locals, yeah, as we talked about with local. Terry and, and Claudio. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That is, this is the perfect way to make a, a movie. Right. Especially from this kind of story. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is. So. Yeah. But yeah, let's get into it. Cool. So Charlotte, you're the expert on the hero's journey. Take us, take us through it. I was really glad that Corinne used this movie for hero's journey example, because usually when you think of hero's journey, you picture a man, right? A boy. Usually a boy, actually not even a man. It's usually a boy. Yeah. He's a man at the end. Yes. Become a man. <laughs> and I think the movie specifically had the same patterns, right? Entering into the special universe, all of the trials, your helpers, your death. I mean, there's some sort of death before right. renewal and... Big renewal. Big renewal. And then eventually going back to your community. And that was that was her journey. Right. So it followed every step. And that's I think that's why I threw in the savior... Mm. archetype because she fit into that very well too but i think it means a whole lot more when it's based on something that the culture has already gone through mm. because the maori people actually had to fight for their culture recently this was the 1960s because they were colonialized and a mm. lot of their land was being taken and their people were mm. losing tradition and they brought themselves back up right so in the movie i think Nikki very much honed into that. Mm. It felt like, yeah, we're channeling it through this hero type, but she represents the people as a whole. And even the character in the movie says it. She's like, I'm not a savior. That's not what I'm meant to do. But I meant to let you all realize with me mm. that we can save ourselves. Leader, not a martyr. Exactly. Whatever. Interesting. And she even tells her grandfather at one point, right? Or somebody tells their grandfather that what you're looking for is... A prophet. What you're looking for is a prophet. Oh, yeah. And they don't exist anymore. Right. We exist. You know, so let us pick ourselves up. Yeah. So just, just that message in general, I thought, was the hero's journey at its best because it's very tangible connection to culture. And I, I agree. And I feel like that really does come across in the film, whereas in the book, it's a different world to some degree. In the movie, we stay with Pykea the whole time there's very little right there's very little it's entirely her story yeah yeah uh, everything's from her perspective for the most part you're seeing her interact with the people around her and the setting of course and her trying to deal with and get to her grandfather who she dearly loves in the book the uncle character who's sort of changed around and only makes a brief appearance in the movie is the narrator and he's the one going through the entire journey where we're going through his eyes which is interesting i feel like that's i mean this is just my opinion but i feel like that's how witty was able to write it and i kind of respect that because he's not trying to write as a little girl yeah <laughs> like i kind of like that to some degree it's also a little difficult or annoying just because it's like okay we have a female main character and yet we're following the man but that's a whole other thing i get it well, and in the book, she she doesn't age. She we we are following her story at age ten, right? All of this is happening to her when she's only ten years old, and if we're seeing it through the uncle's eyes, he's very much telling the story like she's a little girl. So versus the movie where she's very much in that adolescent stage where she can decide what actions she's taking to prove to everybody else. Mm -hmm. In the book, it seems more like very much 
a Jesus complex. Not that it's mm. her fault or anybody's fault, but she's written like that. Like, yeah, mm. she's the savior. Everybody knows it. We're just waiting for it to come all out. But she's still kind of off to the side. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, I feel like in the Bible, they're not like, ah, this Jesus guy is over there. You know, <laughs> like we're focused on him because he's the main character. That's true. Whereas in this book, it, it's it's definitely the uncle character. And we follow him out of their town and to a different country for like a while. It's his story. Yeah. yeah. Which I didn't expect. And actually how they changed it in the film, he's still in it. But in that, he has a girlfriend. And she's somebody that kind of looks out after Pykea, which I thought was awesome. It was the perfect way to do that. Thank you, Nikki, or whoever wrote it put it to the script yes version because they knew it was more important to follow the hero in their journey yeah i think for me it was nice to have a little bit more maternal strength yes yes so it's the it's nanny flowers the grandmother and the girlfriend and because i think it, it is it's a patriarchal society never heard of that before <laughs> and you know her grandfather in in the movie anyway you know is training the boys to be like the whale rider not even to be the whale rider and not not even to be leaders. No. Yeah. I mean, some of that comes across anyway, but that's not his goal. It is to be the next prophet. Right. Which I'm sure is really screwing with those boys. Definitely. And it was nice. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, too. It's nice to uh, none of that was in the book. You know, and I I just assumed because it was so in character or whatever you want to call that, that it was in, it was part of the original story. And it's not. That's a huge element that makes it the hero's journey for me in the movie and not the book mm. so her age she's older in the movie that's absolutely necessary for me anyway harry potter right wasn't he like 13 when exactly. he yeah it's the prime mm. age to start change right whereas if you're just a little girl going puberty <laughs> right, <laughs> Sorry. Right? i mean don't get me wrong she's still very much an intriguing and heroic character at age 10 in the book but in the movie, we actually see her trials sneaking into the boys' school, where in the book it's just mentioned that the grandfather is training these young boys. We never see any scenes from it. We're yeah. just supposed to take the narrator's word on it. And I have no idea what to imagine right? in that. Like, but what happens in those schools? Oh, right. right? <laughs> what is he teaching? Yeah. Wherein in the movie, not only are we seeing the boys going through these actions, but we're seeing her sneak into them. Right. And she's fighting to keep her spot. Um, yeah, that is how you get sympathy for a hero's journey. Totally. It's very Mulan-esque, right? Yeah, yeah. Except that she's not pretending to be male. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, it's <laughs> even more intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> different circumstances, different age and history, but yeah. And then an another big element, I think, in the hero's journey is the death. The death of the hero and rebirth. Mm. In both instances, they were the same. And I thought that was important because it felt very folklore mythological. Is the whale taking her underwater to the point where we understand that she's going to drown? And we know that because the character knows that in both instances. I thought both did very well with that moment of, okay, this is our death, but that's okay because we knew this was coming. I thought that was handled very well. And in both versions, there was some sort of understanding that, well, we need you to live. We understand that you can die in this moment, but to go forward, we need you alive. The whales or well, us? Well, we as in <laughs> the Maori people right. and the whales and the mm -hmm. ancients and the mythology. behind Everybody in this story knows that oh, this can't be your end, so let's bring you back. Right. That felt very cathartic to me. I don't know. How did you feel? I It was, again, two very different experiences. In the book, oh, well, since I saw the movie first, the movie version was very difficult i mean i don't know how to put it like i it watching somebody go underwater on a whale like that what else do you think other than this person's gonna drown right. they're gonna drown and be happy i mean she was ecstatic <laughs> to some degree but like it was definitely like as she left the the people behind and her grandfather and nanny flowers and all the people on the beach it very much felt like she was at one with the whales uh, which i really thought was important because that's what the whole thing is about being a whale rider but in the book it takes a different turn and there is sort of this supernatural element to it and I didn't think that that was less effective it was just different you know yeah it's a struggle for me like I really kind of wish that the movie 
harness to more of the magical part of the magical realism. But at the same time, the movie is so realistic in its magical realism that's very much tied to realism that I kind of like that it feels real. Like in the book, for instance, the, the head honcho whale, the ancient one, the oldest whale from their home place, had like a swirling tattoo on its forehead. Yeah. And that was not in the movie. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> no, I mean, the whales were real whales. I mean, it was just a bunch of shots of whales doing subtle things. Whereas, around. I mean, in the yeah. book, we're actually in the heads of the ancient whales. Well, there's that too. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's more for them to do. Totally. Which makes sense for a book. But in terms of like even something like that, I felt they could have easily integrated that into the film. Ah, I see. Do you know what I mean? I, I do. Yeah. I do. And even if it meant breaking the naturalism of it, right? Like if a photographer goes under the ocean to record what whales they can find, which is usually two at a time if they're lucky. Right. But if you use a little bit of CGI, <laughs> just a little, you can see in the shadows of the ocean that there's a herd of 60 of them. Right. Because in the book, that's who the ancient whales were. It was a herd of 60 being led by the, the bull whale, who's who was the original whale for the whale rider. Yes. So you're right. It could have been done. It totally could have. And I, I don't know if I would have liked it more or less, to be honest. Ah. Because they're both, they're just so different. And they both do well in their perspective worlds. Can, do you, how do you feel about kind of going through the plot? Let's do it. I'm trying to remember how the, the movie birth. Opened. Oh my God, oh my God Jen, me. we have to talk about the birth. That's the very beginning. I'm sorry. Because this, this was something that I thought was brilliant about the movie. I mean, either way, she was going to be born a girl. That was the one same aspect. But oh my gosh. In the book, she is born only child to her father. And her mother doesn't survive much longer. Nanny Flowers, the grand or the great grandmother in the book, actually, I think right. she's a great grandmother. She immediately takes her Pikea's um, um, biblical cord, <laughs> umbilical cord, umbilical cord, <laughs> and buries it on their island. Even Nanny Flowers knows something very sacred about her people, in that if she can connect that child to the land right away, that she can help her fulfill her tasks. And if you don't mind me adding, she has two different cultures in her own blood, right? She has the one that she's living with now, that she's the, you know, the the wife of the leader. But then she has her own, which is a different community and has a much different origin story in terms of gender roles. Yes, specifically. yes. The grandmother is very fascinating. And we'll talk more, but continue, continue. I just wanted to throw that in there. Totally. So that's in the book. And then in the movie, they do this interesting thing where... When she's born, she's actually born as a twin. She has a twin brother. So Koro, the grandfather, is very much expecting the boy to take it on. He's like, yep, if it's twins, we're going to take the boy. Done, <laughs> right? But sadly, when they get there, they realize the boy didn't survive, but she has. Mm -hmm. And it's the same mentality when he's like, okay, well, she's useless. So let me let me <laughs> mourn over the, the fact that we don't have a boy successor. You know, and it's it's very much, uh, it felt very Star Wars-y to me. Hmm. When people are born as twins, like Luke hmm. and Leia, they both have the savior archetype in them. They can right. both become, um, I mean, it's been a while since I've learned about the prophecy of the Star Wars twins, but it felt very much like that. Like these twins were destined to do something, but the people will accept the boy for this prophecy. So now her task becomes, okay, I'm going to prove to you why I can also fulfill that prophecy totally basically what did you think did you think one or the <laughs> other was more important or did it matter in terms of the birth yeah i don't know I, I i guess i like that she wasn't a twin only because i like the idea that her twin was the original whale rider like that was her duality was with oh. that person who was a man you know it's yeah. pretty plain and simple but a man who who left a place on the back of a whale and she's the complete opposite of that and i feel like that sort of closes the circle in a good way like the cycle is finally continuing and they thought that they weren't going to survive nice. you know and i thought that it was nice in the book that nanny flowers isn't the only one to to bury the umbilical cord it's her and pikey's uncle 
and his biker gang or two friends from two, the biker gang. Yeah, but they all know each other. I mean, it's a small town. <laughs> And I love that because they all sort of take this pledge together that they'll be her protector. That and was I a thought, great scene. Yeah, I thought that was really sweet and, I don't know, uncalled for in a good way. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I hope they do that with all of their children. You know what I mean? Not just, like, yeah. the females or not just whatever. So the next part I guess I wanted to talk about was the father. Yeah. Pikeia's father. Because pretty quickly in the movie, right, after... After his wife dies, he leaves. He he leaves Pikeia there. And he's like, peace out. And he, he goes. And in the book, he does not do that. <laughs> he stays. Well, what do you think are the pros and cons of each version? Do you think it was important that in the movie he leave? Maybe because it wasn't his journey. It had to be his daughter's. So maybe it's okay for him to be out of the picture or... Can you tell that that was my opinion? <laughs> I want to hear that. I didn't, if it but made a difference. <laughs> he he serves no purpose in the book. He has absolutely no role. He doesn't care about her, or at least we don't see him care about her. He doesn't support her like her uncle does, or like anybody else does, except for of course Koro, her grandfather, great grandfather, whatever. He has absolutely no role in it. So it makes sense that he leaves in the movie. And it makes her, in my opinion, it would make her feel more precarious, alone, even though she, of course, has her family there and she's she's such an old soul yes. that it doesn't bother her like it would a young soul. But I do think that that separation was important because then it really does become about her only father figure is Koro. Right. Who's better or worse. Dick. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, he's horrible to her in the book. I mean, beyond what you see in the movie. Right. Right. So I just, I was, I was surprised. I was like, why are you here? You can go now. <laughs> I absolutely agree. And this is, again, why I think the movie makes very wise choices. Because I liked to see that it wasn't going to be about the father. Totally. Because typically it would be. Right. He was the next to be born and he was going to be the leader. And he obviously didn't want to be. Exactly. So it makes sense that he didn't stay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I was just basically agreeing <laughs> and because you're right and then in the movie version she gets to grow up with koro yeah and not her father and right. in the movie koro actually starts to love her we see it we start off with him being like all right i get it <laughs> she's my grandchild <laughs> i'm gonna love her right and we we get at least a sense of that so we can feel a little bit bit of sympathy for him right because there there was some love there yeah of some course mutual love not just the girl being like, okay, girl, boy, I love you. I, uh, <laughs> him being a dick. Yeah. Right. So I like that. I yeah. I like that that was the change. Right. Because, yeah, in the book, it's not like that at all. <laughs> like, what father? <laughs> I mean, not only that, but Koro. Right. You know, it's just, it's non-existent. There's no reason for her to love her grandfather so much. Like, there's no reason for it. Yeah. Because he's always been sort of a dick to her. Anybody reading this book would be like, I don't understand why this little girl <laughs> loves that grandfather. Really? Because he basically says absolutely nothing or something completely terrible. Right. Or just complete, yeah. She doesn't mean anything to him. Not even anger. He doesn't want to waste any time on her at all. I was like, okay, well, fuck you. <laughs> it's really hard to sympathize with that. Yeah. Even at the end. I'm just like, I don't yeah. know if you've changed my mind, but. Yeah. <laughs> It's like they're supposed to be a big... Okay, we'll keep talking. Sorry. I keep jumping ahead. <laughs> no, sorry. All right. Um, what's the next major point? Nanny Flowers? Can we talk about her a little Let's bit? Let's talk about Nanny Flowers. Yeah. What did you think about Nanny Flowers? I think in the book, she was an incredible character. She was the instigator, the helper, the spiritual leader. She was everything. This book should have been about her. Fuck yeah. Or told through her perspective, Fuck I think. Yeah. I just, she, and she was written so well. She was an ally. She was funny. Yeah, yeah. And she was even, I think in my opinion, she was uh, underrepresented in the movie. Yeah. That's one thing I might have changed a little bit. Yeah. And this might be a good time to tell everyone her origins. Yeah, do it. The... So Nanny, Nanny Flowers, I'm just going to throw in some information. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nanny Flowers is Cora's wife. Right. And great or grand, great grandmother to Pykea. And yeah, continue. <laughs> well, she's, she's descended from another tribe that came to the islands later than the whale rider. And I think this group was still Polynesian in origin. Right, because they all came from Polynesia. Right. The, the Maori, as they are now, all came from Polyne right. Polynesia. 
So in the book's mythology, Nanny Flowers is descended from another group of islanders who came later than the whale rider. And they had chiefs too. That's how they were run as a people. But on one of the boats, for some reason, their leaders were had to like abandon ship or something happened. We, could, we did, can't quite remember what the legend part of that story is. Yeah. But whatever happened, the storm got worse and the boat was destined to capsize. And the woman... The one woman. The one woman <laughs> took charge. And in their tradition... She called her their ancient ones, and she said something like, turn me into a man. Right. Like, she actually had to wish that in order to save her people. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, because there's some things that are like, yeah, we understand that's part of your culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you would have to think that in order to save your people. Or I bet you, you just had it in you, and you didn't realize that that's where it's coming from. But anyway, she became chief after that, because she saved her ship. Right. She was able to, to protect them by... exactly harnessing this male energy and they acknowledged that they Mm -hmm. knew she had magic at that moment because they were saved right so she became the first female chief of that people yeah which is amazing it is spectacular i mean i think that's if you talk to any feminist any good feminist they'll tell you that it's about equality and that's exactly what that story is it's it doesn't the gender doesn't matter and that's the point it's a better origin story than the other one i mean in terms of gender roles that at least, at the very least, that tribe was able to see somebody who had leadership skills. It didn't matter what their gender was. Just a disclaimer. Exactly. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. I'm on board. <laughs> and Annie Flowers mentions it a lot. Mm-hmm. She'll tell her husband, like, don't you disrespect me. You know I come from this lineage. Yeah. And, I mean, he, he never apologizes, by the way. No. And he never seems to accept that. It, I mean, It's it strange. Yeah, phase him. Yeah. But it phases us as readers. Yeah. The fact that she can mention that and, and even tell Pykea that's who you're descended from, too. Don't yeah. forget that. And I love, I love that about the book. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely a, a much more frequent... Instigator. Uh, yeah, like, she just makes more appearances. She's more involved in what's going on around them. And, like I said, I love that she just hits everybody. She's constantly hitting <laughs> yeah. people. Like, when they're being stupid, she just hits them. I'm she's like, fuck yeah. Aggressive. A little old lady can get away with that, you know? I love it. <laughs> she just doesn't have time for bullshit. And all the boys respect her. Or all her sons, grandsons, totally. great-grandsons. Everybody knows that she's the head of the household despite their respect for the male, you know? Right. They, they already know it. Yeah. And in the movie, there's some of that, too. But I felt she was, Nanny Flower was was much more passive. Yeah. And had to be in some weird ways. I mean, yeah, it makes sense in terms of film for focus. The focus is Koro and and Pykea. But it is too bad because I I think that's a powerful, I mean, I've always loved stories about grandmothers and their granddaughters. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, one of the things that came up for me while reading and watching Whale Rider is Moana because she's also from Polynesia and there's a lot of similarities in terms of plot and and again we have that really strong grandmother character and the granddaughter who are able to bond and I really liked that about Whale Rider as well. Me too. (laughs) So comparing and contrasting the surrealism and magical realism of both formats especially for Pykea's journey. I would say that in the movie version, her father actually takes her away from the island. He wants her to just forget about it. You know, obviously your grandfather's not going to respect you anymore. You have no place there. I'll just take you away. And she's kind of resigned. She's like, all right, I think you're right. Let's just go. Yeah. And then there's this moment cinematically where they're driving away and she's peering off into the ocean because suddenly you can tell she's hearing something. And eventually the viewer can hear it too, is the whale sounds. She's listening to the whales. And just as a viewer, you you understand they're calling her back. Like, you can't leave. And she tells her father that too. She's like, I have to go home. I just have to. And I think to me that was the first signal for some surrealism because in, in the book it does say that the original whale writer could speak to whales. Right. So she's inherited that power. Right. Is how I interpreted it. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. And in the book, mm-hmm. even though she's a baby in the book. The she's f- like two or three, right? Yeah. She's literally like crawling. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the narrator in the book tells us that there was this ceremony happening among the boys and she had like crawled her way in 
and part of the ceremony was for the next successor to bite the toe of the chief which is her grandfather which would have been Koro and she does it as a baby under the table she just does it and it's supposed to be funny but the uncle's saying like that's how we knew that was another sign that she was going to be the leader yeah so I don't know that's both plays on right the savior archetype like this was mm. this was the first miracle kind of thing oh interesting I thought Cool. But I don't know. So what? how would you compare and contrast the surrealism? Well, the first thing, the or the first part, I guess, that really stuck out to me that I noticed a big difference was when Koro uh, takes the boys out on a boat. They're next to a little mini island, and he takes a tooth, like a whale tooth or some sort of tooth, and he drops it into the water, and he tells the boys, whoever brings it back to me, what did he say? I don't remember. It's basically just go get it, bring it back to me. And then that would be the next yourself. chief. Yeah, or yeah. the next successor. Yeah. Right. Like, it's all part of all the, the testing, you know, that he's doing to to create a new chief. And, you know, the boys jump in. And I don't remember if I made that up or not. In the movie, it wasn't one of them can't swim, right? Right. Okay, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? You can't swim? you got to learn how to swim, man. You live on an island. <laughs> You're going to be so fucked. Um so, yeah, in the movie, all the boys jump off. They're going under. They're out of breath. They just, it's impossible, you know. And then uh, in the movie later, Pykea goes back out to the, to the water with her uncle and his girlfriend. And he's telling her that Koro had dropped his tooth and nobody could get it. And she's like, okay. And she just, like, goes. <laughs> she just jumps off. She's like, I'll get it. Yeah. It's just, like, no big deal. And the, I'll get some ice cream, too. <laughs> yeah. The girlfriend's like, uh, what's going on? And so in, in the movie, you know, she, she spends a lot of time down at the bottom of the ocean looking for it and finding it. And when I saw that, I thought it was really magical. Yeah. But mainly because it's the ocean and it's deep and frightening. <laughs> and it, it takes a lot of bravery, in my opinion, for a little girl or any little person or any person to just, like, jump off a boat and go as far down as they possibly can. Right. Um, but it wasn't until the mo- the book that I realized that that was actually supposed to be sort of a supernatural thing. Yes. In the book, she has the ability, right, to, to, is it to breathe water or to just hold her breath for way longer than you'd be able to do? You know, I can't quite remember, but in any case, it was another inherent gift of the successor, I think that, right. it, or at least that's how it read. Yeah, like she knew she could do it, so let me just do it. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I thought that was such a cool. Like, I wish I had known that in the movie because it would have just made it even cooler. Right. But I, again, same argument, which I like that it was sort of realistic in the movie. I still think I'm one of those people when I watch a film, people underwater. I'm like, okay. How long has it been? You can't possibly hold your breath for that long, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just where I go. And and she does spend a, a lot of time underneath the water, so it feels unrealistic in that sense. But you don't see her breathing water. You don't see her communicating with animals. Like in the book, she has a passing moment with a dolphin or something. You just don't see that in the movie. So it has a completely different feel right, to it. it. Right, It felt really powerful in the book because like fuck yeah it's like you know when harry first really starts getting a hang of magic and it's it's such a good feeling but it was it's different in the book i mean the movie jesus there's and there's very clear supernatural aid in the book yes the dolphins eventually save pikea in the book as well they're the ones that follow her the whole way yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) and we and we know that because not only are we told it but we hear it from their perspective or Mm -hmm. maybe not the dolphins but the whales kind of imply that too so there's a whole lot of surrealism happening in the book so we're just used to it as a reader by then like yeah yeah we understand she can breathe underwater we understand that the dolphins can hear her and they're going to go help her right which again moana for me it is (laughs) i was like moana And I see, I would argue with factors like those when we're comparing the book and the movie that the movie feels like they're trying to say the lesson isn't that she was chosen, mm-hmm. but that she's deciding to be the savior right. because, you know, she swam in the ocean her whole life. I think that's a reason she can do what she's doing when totally. she dives for the tooth. She's heard whales before. She's sat on the beach and she's just listened. Well, and their culture celebrates them. So I'm sure there's 
a ton of things she just has read and heard and seen and been told. And she just dives in. She dives into it. (laughs) Yeah. And she practices her culture. You know, she's working hard at it in the movie. Right. So she's earned it. And don't get me wrong. It's beautiful in the book to see how all of this comes naturally. Like she's selected. So it's happening to her rather than her. And I'm sure she works hard, too, a lot of times. (laughs) But I don't know. I always felt like that was. A big difference for me and i mean when you put it that way it's it's very easy i mean we, we talked about this before in other stories that you know we we like the idea that anybody can be a hero yes that's that's a universal thing yes that everyone should get to feel at some point because it's a good feeling and it makes you feel inspired and empowered uh whereas you know a chosen one situation is a little bit more like well sorry you weren't born that way (laughs) right right it's too bad for you you can't be king you know yeah i would even argue and call that i'm not argue with you (laughs) i would argue that we can call that the harry potter problem Mm. like the being chosen versus choosing yeah but we can and talk about that later. JK repeated that again in Fantastic Beasts to some degree. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But it, it doesn't it doesn't engage everyone. It engages people who like those stories, which is great. Mm-hmm. But we want to go to that next level up, right, where people are responding to your film in their own life. Or at least that's what I think. But I'm not a film snob. Or at least you try not to be. So <laughs> I think I think that would be an interesting topic to tackle at some point. Yeah. Uh, so in the book, another major difference um, in terms of magical realism, I guess that's what you would call it. You actually follow the herd of whales that are from Hawaii. Hawaii. The original island of their ancestors. Right. A spiritual. A very spiritual place. And uh, you, yeah. So you you actually follow them in in their journey across the ocean uh they go to alaska someplace cold it's a really interesting thing to read the passages in the book where the whales are speaking to one another are all italicized and they're they're obviously separate and it does seem like there's trying to be some weaving uh between what's happening with the whales in terms of there's a lot of whales losing their lives in in those stories um, because of man. Man, yeah, maybe a couple women, but mainly men. <laughs> I mean, mankind. I just didn't feel like. Well, okay, so in the movie, you don't get any of that. Obviously, the whales are not speaking to each other in a language we understand. There's shots of them sort of doing whale calls, which is cool. But if you'd never read the book like I had, you would have been like, cool, whales. All right. Nice. But in the book, they're actually communicating and talking and they have their own culture. And it's I think it's supposed to really feel powerful later when the alpha dude shows up on the beach. I could have done without the communication between the whales. How did you feel? And it's literary form where we get to read their conversations and the lyricism and the poetics. And it's told very much like a legend whenever we are in the heads of the whales. That was beautiful. I would not change that for a thing. Nice. The part that really weirded me out later, (laughs) because we are following the main bull whale, the original whale rider's whale, and their relationship was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He was basically trying to forgive himself for almost drowning the original whale rider. Remember that (laughs) part where he hears the call, he hears the flute, and he knows that that's his master. He's like, oh, he's still on the island. Let's go back. Yeah. And the rest of their herd, they have to follow him and respect him no matter how loony he sounds to them. So this herd of 60 original whales are like, all right, well, he's going, so we got to (laughs) go. And they they can't understand why. He doesn't really tell them why. It has something to do with the whale rider. Right. But the part that, yeah, weirded me out was this idea that the bull whale had a wife. And I think when that conversation started, it felt a bit out of lyricism. I mean, personally, I have no problem with him having a wife. It's that it's a patriarchy, even amongst the whales. Oh, shoot. It's very much like a a king, you know, um, except... In this case, the queen really doesn't have power. And he's got subjects. He's got soldiers. He's ha- He has this, like, group of female whales that are constantly around them. And it, I'm just like, what's happening? This is not how whales... I mean, I hope to God this is not how whales actually do things or what they actually think. It was really kind of disturbing. I bet you 
that's the result of the author sticking very much to the historic accuracy of his culture and what they believe about their ancient whales. Which makes sense. It, don't get me wrong. I it agree. Makes sense. <laughs> and you know what? I would, yeah, we're talking about wisdom of animals. Animals, I would hope, wouldn't care if a whale rider was male or female, and they wouldn't work that way in their own herds. Whoever is ancient and knows what they're doing, that's their leader. Or maybe we don't have leaders, you know? So there was some opportunity to be equal. Yeah. Well, and, and there's no reason for it in terms of the, the story itself. It doesn't make a lot of sense when you're writing something to take two similar stories unless we're going to really have those two stories meet and change both parties. Ah. Otherwise, we want a parallel maybe an ideal or maybe something else that's going on but doesn't isn't working or i you know what i mean like there's no reason for us to see how traditional patriarchies work in both communities there's absolutely no reason to it if if the male the bull uh, whale died and the woman had the woman whale had to become the leader then we'd have a parallel that would make sense or if the bull whale somehow proved to koro that he was being a dumbass that would have made sense yes but there's no reason for them to be so human and so patriarchal. None. And both Nanny Flowers and the female whale had this really weird parallelism where they basically tell their husbands, get over it. And I mean, they were the instigators. They were the saviors, actually, in that moment where they were like, okay, we understand where you're both coming from. But this girl is key right now. Let her do what she needs to do. Both of them had to tell their husbands that. Yeah. And that's how Pykea succeeded because of what they told their husbands. You're right. But in both cases, especially in the whale one, she has to like tell the guards and her like handmaidens, these are whales, <laughs> to leave them alone so she could talk to the main whale. And she has to like sort of gently push him to do something smart and it just goes back into the same stereotype i mean it's it's the woman behind the man it's always the woman behind the man and it just doesn't make any sense to me that we see that with whales as well as with a traditional culture i mean culture traditionally fine like that's great that we're reading about it in this book because it's all about changing it and about changing our, our ways of thinking about it but i still have no clue how that affects anything in the story by it being replicated and made worse with the whales None. agreed agreed <laughs> so this was something that i did appreciate then about the movie where even in its realism when there were beached whales because that's part of the savior's journey is her big her big finale i was going to say <laughs> her big death scene is Pikea. that pikea's scene is that the whales know that they need to die if the people aren't going to continue on the people are that close to disappearing as a culture and they can sense that because they're very much connected right and that is clear in both formats i mm -hmm. think so when in both formats the whales beach themselves they're That's basically so saying like you know we're, we're we gave we we're giving up because you're giving up so in the movie, I felt like there was no, I mean, the whales knew it was Pykea and they were accepting that like mm -hmm. way before the people were. Well, before Koro was. Definitely I mean, I think Koro. Nanny Flowers and the uncle and maybe even the father probably were on board pretty oh, early. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The people that didn't matter, apparently. <laughs> so in my mind, the whales were much smarter than the people already. And that's that's the same principle, I think, as, you know any monster film right you don't show the monster because that's always scarier and in this case it's we don't need to hear what the whales are thinking because they think it's better if we just believe what we believe the whales are thinking yes agreed i don't want to hear about how this whale's a housewife and <laughs> doesn't make as much money as her male counterparts you know what i mean like i don't need to hear that bullshit agreed <laughs> oldest most majestic creatures on earth and they, they have, have a patriarchy gender roles yeah like, what the fuck? I mean, yes, pregnancy, like, there are certain things that make sense. But that doesn't mean that uh, that they wouldn't be leaders, if anything. It's the opposite. Agreed. <sighs> it just bothered me a lot. So thank you. <laughs> That's important. I'm so glad we talked about that. Yeah. So there's, in the book especially, because it's a much greater scale in the book, right? The beach that's next to their town, Pikeia's town, as well as another town, is flooded with whales. There's 60, right? 
or well, is it less? 60 was from the ancient herd oh okay. but before their arrival well, there's hundreds Hundred, of yeah. whales beaching themselves it's it was crazy crazy and really sad but you know all these whales are beached people are starting to show up locals as well as i was gonna say white people but <laughs> like people that are not towner, indigenous yeah. to the land or the area news vans like people are hearing about it and they're showing up the uncle because we're reading from his perspective he goes out there i believe that's the same time where coro tells his wife to take care of the women yes oh my god he's like you take care of the women we're going out like don't come so basically the women all go to nanny flower's house but they're not allowed on the beach because whatever (laughs) and the these whales are showing up and there's all these people and there's women on the beach like eventually they and these groups of people are are surrounding these whales and trying to keep them hydrated and trying to, to push them back out and every time they push one out it comes right back because it's going to die with its people basically with its kind and there's these you know these amazing scenes of these people that don't know each other coming together and like weeping because their whale their group you know that's trying to help their one whale has has died or has come back after they've released it's just so like heart-wrenching i'm just like (laughs) why there and then you know there's there's horrific aspects there's you know even locals who are part of the whale culture are are cutting whales apart while they're alive to use their bones and their whale meat and to sell it which is i think just incredibly disturbing and the uncle in the book has a moment with a local where he like threatens him him and his little gang and they push him out of the area and police show up eventually and you know the people that stay on the beach are the ones that are helping but it's just by the end of the scene they're all dead all of them none of them leave or survive after a full day of constantly just trying to like save these whales like how tragic and that's a great way to show the diversity of all the people on that one area yes because you do have the original maori but then you have the tribes that kind of broke off and you have the tribes that came after and Mm -hmm. there's such a different like even subtle subtle differences yes and then there's the influence of colonialism in there i like that that was used to see the differences yes it's a very emotional part. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, we're very focused in the movie, so it's basically just the family and the families of the boys being schooled that are going out to the beach to help right. in the movie. But a lot of that sentiment stays. You yeah. know, they all have their own whale, and when right. one of them dies, they weep over them. Yeah. So that, that was held over. And, yeah. But it, not to that scale. No, it's a huge scale yeah. in the book. And then, you know, we have the second beach whale, right, which is... Is that um, that's the one with the tattoo? Yes, the the main bull whale is finally beached. Yes, he comes after after that whole group of whales has died and we've moved on to some degree. <laughs> we'll always be heartbroken, but <laughs> then this this other whale shows up on the shore and this one's different. It has a tattoo, for instance. In the movie, it's just a regular whale. <laughs> uh, but even in the movie, they understand that that's that's Pikea's whale. Right. It's it's a special whale, uh, in a really amazing way and again it's like the village together trying to save a whale and nanny flowers finally is like let's get down there girls you know and it doesn't matter your gender or age at that point yeah and that scene in both formats leads to the writing of the whale by pikea it always had to be her and in both versions she shows everybody that it had to be her yeah and yeah. I thought that, was, and that's what makes this this story the whale writer, right? Um, is this moment? So I think one of the things that we've been talking about, other than the differences, of course, is the narrator in the book, the uncle character, who has his own life and opinions. You just never see that in the movie, uh, and he actually leaves the story, the whole whale writer story, for a couple chapters because he moves away, uh, and he ends up. He's in New Zealand still, right, for a while. Yes. He goes to the big city. Um, There's a lot of, I thought it was interesting because there was a lot of other people that he knew from their culture who had also integrated into the city. Um, And he kind of bounced around and I'm pretty sure he was gay. That's my opinion. (laughs) Just going to throw that out there. Um, And eventually he makes friends with this guy 
who he lives with for a while and then he has to return home because his parents need him to help with their farm yes so jeff is from his friend jeff is from papua new guinea and he he offers for the uncle to go with him so he goes right yes he spends i think about two years with him and his family and there's the subtle racism that appears in these chapters <laughs> subtle and not so subtle subtle and then dramatically not so subtle because <laughs> jeff's parents even though the father's really cool with him he doesn't seem to see any difference the mother obviously knows that rawiti the uncle looks darker like a couple shades darker that's exactly what she says in the book a couple shade shades too dark too dark right and the uncle definitely knows that that's gonna be a problem and he's like yeah i guess this exists you know he's very innocent about it he's like yeah i'm seeing it now and i was dumb before (laughs) and it gets worse because the friends of both the uncle and his friend jeff differ more and more often too right in those two years right there really begins a split yes and rawiti admits that he tends to gravitate towards the darker like the his friends are darker yeah where jeff is obviously still trying to like keep his parents happy you know right sorry i'm gonna interrupt you it's a class thing too classism to some degree they're just interested in different activities and jeff is becoming more like his mom and she's not rude to ruidi but she's not super great (laughs) either and it all kind of culminates in this in this shit show (laughs) right do you want to talk about that it's a scene where jeff and his family and rawiti are all in one car and the father hits one of Jeff's and Rawiti's friends. It's actually his cousin. His cousin. cousin. Oh, that's right. From the city. Oh my gosh. On accident. He doesn't do it on purpose. He hits him. You're right. And Jeff's mother basically says, don't get out because there might be more of them. Right? That's her. That's her reasoning for just leaving someone they hit with their car on the road. And it gets worse, right? Rawiti is like, no, we need to get out and help him. (laughs) And she's like, no, I can see them. And it's, it's darkness, but she's, like, claiming to see shadows of the savages that are outside on the road ready to slit their throats and murder them. I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. That's that is good dramatic. old racism, <sighs> you know? And he's like, his cousin just got hit by a car. Like, he's probably not going to make it. And also, he wants to get out and try to help him. And he doesn't get support from Jeff, and he doesn't get support from the father, and he's definitely not getting support from the mother. And so he gets out, right? And they drive off. They leave him. And that was the last straw for Rawiti to go home because <laughs> he now has accepted that the outside world is not worth him being away from home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that talks a little bit of, about some of the colonialism that's mentioned every now and then in the book because yeah. I think that is a big deal. And and Koro is constantly representing the Maori people Across, in those, yeah. In, I mean, yeah, in the book, he, he's actually going to other places with his son. With a, uh, I just watched Jungle to Jungle, and the mom's name in it is um, Paliku. Oh. So I keep getting those two mixed <laughs> up in my head. I'm like, Paliku? No way. That's not it. <laughs> Parani, Parani, Parani is Paikia's father. Porani. Oh, interesting. Is his name. Yeah. I wouldn't even know. Because <laughs> when did you see him? I know. Because it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But they're constantly representing the Maori in these big conferences that yeah. take them away from New or not from New Zealand, but from their island. Yeah, which reminds me a lot of um, the Samoans. Ah. They they do a lot of similar sort of things because they're trying to save their culture because somehow they're not American citizens, even though they are. Thanks, America. <laughs> Good God. So yeah, so the perspective. I think of Rawiri in all of these chapters is just to enhance that experience of if you come from a very cultured background, that the world is going to seem extremely different because some people just don't think like that. They don't they don't have that. And it, it could be extreme as in like racism or it could be really subtle. Right. I don't claim to say I know what the answers are for that or if there's some pros and cons to that or because obviously he had a good time a lot of the time when he was away totally i think that's all part of the experience of it right yeah and i think if he had stayed in the city in the big city it would be different that's you typically a more diverse and accepting place because you have no choice 
uh, to some degree. And I thought it was important for him as a character. It was just too bad that I didn't give a shit because <laughs> it had nothing to do with what was going on. I mean, I was like, why are we here? Right. It's not part of the main storyline. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't affect anything later. So it felt kind of like, oh, okay, maybe Witty just wants to like talk about this and you know what I mean like that's fine that's a writer's prerogative yeah and I'm sure that's more of his own the author's own experience totally right which is great but save it for (laughs) your own book I mean you know what I mean like this is about a girl riding a whale okay I kind of agree yes but we do have to mention culture the culture tradition integration to some degree of different cultures and lack of culture it's all there it's important don't get me wrong yeah just feels a little misplaced but if you i mean if you had to would you make the film the way they did from the book i mean what would you have done differently if you had free reign i guess is my question it would be damn close to what's there already yeah i think the only change i would have made was to not even recast nanny floor flowers I keep wanting to say Flores. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) To give her different tasks in the movie. Yeah. Because I feel like the one they cast was a great actress. Actor. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But what she did was too subtle. She needed to be the nanny flowers from the book. Right. But other than that, I I really do think my interpretation would have been really, really close. That's cool. To Whale Rider. Nice. Yeah. I like it. So what about you, Jen? What would you have changed? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think I have a lot more notes for the book than I do the movie. Ah, uh, right, right. But to have, you mentioned earlier, to have more of that magical realism in the movie. I mean, I think it's an option. Like, I, when we first talked about this, I felt like they could have really gone the big fish way, right? They really could have integrated the magical realism into the real world more, um, and give it a little bit more like high contrast between the two, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, I think that would have been really easily done to some degree. But I don't know if it's necessary. Like we talked about the changes. I mean, it really does feel like two different stories. Like it's the same story, but two different versions of it. And there are elements from both that I like. But I think generally speaking, the changes that were made for the film are effective because they speak by simplifying some of the things and making it tighter I feel like they were able to speak to a wider audience yes it's very counterintuitive I liked it. <laughs> I don't know you know what I mean exactly exactly I think it would have uh, made Matthew McConaughey my whale <laughs> case um he would have come up and been like, all right, what's going on? No, man, yeah, I I agree. The casting, keeping it within the, the island, and this idea that the viewers are much smarter than you give them credit for. Mm. So show some whales, and I think they can make their own <laughs> connections. They, they need to, because I think we're all spiritual beings. We can understand that there's communication happening with the ancients and their people. Mm-hmm. I, I can get it from all the shots shown in right. the movie. And I, again, I like the idea that it's not a savior archetype that we're following in the movie, but a savior who's fighting to do something that's needed. I was going to say, yeah, it's not even like, she's not like, I'm the leader and you've elected me and I will lead us. It really is more, we can all do this together, which is the sign of a great leader. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's an interesting read I, and, and watch. Read and watch. It's a read and watch. <laughs> I mean, I never obviously had read it or heard of it in high school, for instance. But I remember when it, the movie came out that it made a really big splash. <laughs> 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 but I just, I it never actually arrived in front of my radar. You know what I mean? Um, it's a slow film. If you get a chance to see it on a big screen, that's the way to go. Amazing soundtrack good soundtrack yeah just to hear the whale songs too i wish you know that'd be interesting i don't know if i really wish this but like to have like little audio samples inside of books that you could like play like they do with those stupid freaking cards (laughs) something i mean it's nice to just hear to get into the feel of like being in the deep ocean like it it does feel like you kind of have to sort of sink into it and it, you know what I mean? It's not a oh, Hollywood yeah. film. Don't go in there expecting to have a good old romp, you know? But, man, is it powerful. 
Yeah. Um, I might be a very different viewer than most of you, but I was just instantly connected to it. Yeah. For whatever reason. It's it's nice to see a young woman on the screen being a leader and a savior to some degree. It's nice when that happens. You're like, oh, okay. Everything's okay. <laughs> and then you see like 18 movies come out where it's all men. And you're like, oh, God. Here we go. All the stress is back. And then a movie comes out again. And you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I hope that was informative. Uh, if anything, it would get you to watch and read. We hope. Both versions of The Whale Rider. And just in general, go read and watch things. <laughs> So that you can see what's out there, you know? I mean, I, I wish I had done more of that. Um, so I think that's it for Whale Rider. And if you can, please like and follow us on Twitter, uh, on our website, on... Bookface? Eh, no, Bookface. I mean, Bookface is okay if you, if you like that kind of thing. Right. Um, I'm still on Bookface. I don't know what you guys... If, I was thinking, what's the other one? Um iTunes, if you get a chance oh, yeah. to please rate and review us on iTunes because that really is beneficial for us. Everything is at Bite the Pen, Twitter, bitethepen.com is the website. You can find us on iTunes at Bite the Pen. Big shock, I know. <laughs> okay, well, I hope all of you enjoy the stylings. That's not really what we're about to do. Uh, Charlotte is going to give us a final quote. Yeah, I was trying to think of like a, a final bow i don't know go for it but we have to leave you with some words from the materials we're talking about there at least we we're trying to do that every episode yes so sit back for like 30 seconds so a quote from the novel and i think this is said by wow witty the uncle nice so here it is whether it had anything to do with pikeia's destiny i don't know but just as i was maturing in my own understanding she too was moving closer and closer to that point where she was in the right place at the right time. In this respect, there is no doubt in my mind that she had always been the right person. 